Hello and welcome to the Cinnabums. Uh, this is our last episode of the Horror Month. If you're a video audience, John is dressed like incredibly festively. Oh, wow. Hope. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't even hope... intentional but <laughs> yeah wow yeah I, I i mean i'm just like mentioning it now uh but yeah it seems awfully intentional to just due to how fall and how yeah. color coordinated it is this is like my candy corn cosplay uh that i have on right now like the yellow the orange yeah it almost looks like i'm wearing candy corn right now yeah it's, it's yeah it very, does very fall which I don't know your opinion on candy corn, but now in the internet age, everyone loves to shit on candy, on candy corn. Um, yeah, I actually, I don't yeah. mind it though. Everyone hates it. I don't, I don't mind it, especially I those think, little uh, pumpkins. I think I, I think I dislike candy corn, but I don't see why it's trendy to shit on candy corn yeah. at all. I don't know. I don't think when I was a kid I ever liked it. I more like the idea of it. I don't know. Everyone acted like surprised when they. Uh, started to yeah shit on candy corn online as if they had just discovered you know that it was bad and i'm like i don't know it always wasn't that you know that great i don't know it's, yeah it's always different than what you think i don't know it's easy to romanticize candy corn but yeah i i like it in moderation i don't i don't mind it I, <laughs> i'm not like just i haven't Popping eaten it, it yeah. in, a, in a long time like i'm not just eating right. it all october and november but uh but yeah I'm, yeah uh i'm not a hater of candy corn but anyway yeah it's it's one of those festive things that splits audiences a little bit i guess like peeps around easter too maybe similar oh yeah to that. i i do not like peeps i hate at i all. hate peeps i'm not a marshmallow uh not a marshmallow guy in general yeah, so anything i, I like had to that. tell my mom to stop getting the peeps uh, <laughs> a little bit ago because she was getting them for years um yeah i marshmallows are marshmallows are a little much um yeah and peeps are a lot peeps are a lot especially if you're not into marshmallows yeah because it's marshmallow um, and then it has like the coating around it too it's just too much yeah, they're weird. I like eggnog. Uh, that is another thing uh, that I feel like people either like or really don't like. Um, yeah, I do not like eggnog. <laughs> understandable. <laughs> it's a really yeah. weird thing. But it's I think... I, like like you said with candy corn. I love the idea of eggnog. Right. As right. like this yeah, like exactly. this like Christmas time drink. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it just uh -huh. like sounds so like I want to like it so bad but i just don't right yeah. yeah yeah when i was man we'll have to bring this thread up again in december for yeah, our we'll santa claus more. episodes yeah. because we're <laughs> jumping the gun but yeah when i was a kid and i first discovered eggnog um i, I was like i was like oh my god i love this just so much for some reason i don't know why like to the point where i was like i'd be at and I think it was mainly because I did like the idea of it. And, you know, I was a kid, so I wasn't even like boozing it up or anything with the eggnog. And I was drinking it like at family holidays to the point of it hurting my stomach because it can do that very easily. There is a lot of dairy in, in yeah. eggnog. I There were times as a kid where I would go to the grocery store like, with like my brother or with friends and like you know how you'd go and like you know you'd go like how you'd go to 7-eleven and get snacks or something 
Like during the holiday season, get I get eggnog. like an eggnog for like myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like not oh, like not God. not like a Slurpee or anything like that. Like I'd get like eggnog. I definitely don't like it as much now. Like definitely do not. And I I don't even think if I've drank it in years because it is a weird thing. Yeah, I think I I've definitely I definitely borderline maybe even don't like it now but i definitely had my phase and then i i've gone to christmas parties where there was someone who made these like great eggnog milkshakes that had like you know the smallest amount of alcohol in it you know yeah. but they were still mm-hmm. like the alcohol added like i don't know they gave it gave the eggnog more like you know character more umph like whatever it was it was probably like like bourbon or whiskey or something like that but i i I remember loving those eggnog shakes (laughs) (laughs) but other than that dude i don't really like eggnog that much anymore (laughs) yeah i never had it when i was when i was younger so i don't have like uh any nostalgia for it i don't even know if kids are supposed to like i just think like adults like it's a festive adult drink to have with booze Yeah. yeah Yeah, it makes me think of a dad in a Christmas, a family Christmas right. movie. Yeah, like yeah, Chevy like Chase. Clark, yeah, Clark Griswold, Griswold I'm sure, was yeah. like, I got the eggnog out, guys, yeah. you know, like that sort of thing. So, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> anyways, this is this is horror month. So, <laughs> talking about scary things like eggnog. Yeah. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. John is, John is historically scared of eggnog. Yes, it's on record now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on my screenplay now about a uh, killer eggnog. I mean, but back to like paranoia and anxiety and thinking someone's going to kill you uh, when you live alone. I, you know, I've thought more lately about because uh, I've watched some scary movies lately, some really scary ones. Uh, and I've thought more lately about like, before we get into like, I guess our horror binge, I wanted to talk a little bit about like, I don't know, to me, like what are, and you, of course, <laughs> what are some, just you, what are, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what are some of the scariest movies like I have ever seen, you know, like that genuinely, uh. not like what are the best horror movies of all time, not right. that discussion, but like what movies have like, scared me the most and i think if we're just gonna like you know casually throw those out there i won't mention like one of these because it's on my horror bender and it's like what inspired this thread but i guess like obviously i've mentioned halloween at the um beginning of the month um Mm -hmm. but i guess a few of the other like uh movies that scared me as much as any movie would be the Exorcist. What was I? That, that one is oh. also, I would say, is a really scary one for me too. Right. Yeah. And especially when I see clips of it, uh, and I see the the kid like crawling around and stuff on its like yeah. fingers and his head spinning. I'm like that is one of the scariest movies ever. Like I'm not yeah. even like. So this is a, like a little like d- this is a little deeper into that. Uh, I am not a super religious person, but I think people who are very religious, especially Catholic or Christian, find The Exorcist very terrifying, um, especially because yeah. they like 
believe in the horror of the exorcist exorcist like they their faith is based around this existing anything like if you are catholic or christian anything with the devil or the or demons or like um you know uh just like them taking up a human body is like to them like that is real fear the way i am afraid of like you know someone murdering me or like coyotes and what you know what all the <laughs> all the real shit i'm actually afraid of you know yeah yeah definitely i am uh i am not usually too freaked out or just even interested in too much like supernatural stuff like uh i don't know the conjuring or there's that right. show like the haunting of hill house something where it's all mm -hmm. just like this house is haunted and there's these like i don't know different uh ghost type things that uh, that appear like or or like yeah exercising a demon that stuff doesn't scare me as much as someone is outside my window like looking at me right. someone's yeah. you know <laughs> like there's like how a, terrible actual, would that be if someone yeah. was watching me right yeah. now <laughs> like an actual like human or right yeah just even like just like a physical being that's not like some supernatural same. ghost whatever yeah same um, yeah but but nevertheless i do recognize when like the supernatural horror movies are done just very well and where like they are very scary and it's like about like an atmosphere you know building that atmosphere and like just you know i i like i am very scared of like the movie insidious is very scary to me and that is supernatural horror and i'm and you can say i'm not like scared of that stuff in real life but if i see you know a movie where it's done well like, and it's genuinely scary like that then i i will end up being scared of like at least that movie in my real life i'll yeah. be thinking about that like images of that movie you know later which brings me to the exorcist where if i ever see clips of um that demonized child you know and like the, the voice and stuff i'm like that is definitely one of the scariest things in movies like it's just so well done yeah speaking of like uh like classic horror movies like that too i still think the shining is is one that i just think yeah. back on like imagery so often uh right right out. right and then yeah. that one is another like atmosphere that is Ghost, just so ghosts unsettling. And, yeah it's about a yeah. haunted hotel and yeah. yeah and it puts like the images of the twins there it sticks in your head you think about that later while you're trying to go to sleep like stanley kubrick intended and you're yeah. like fuck <laughs> or thinking of him uh like the naked old woman in the bathtub oh yeah 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 and uh yeah and then when jack nicholson starts going crazy with um with the axe it's yeah there's just like yeah those little moments that really uh stick out um I'd also say movies that really scare me are uh, like Dario Argento Giallo movies. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I feel like it's partially too because of how they look. <laughs> like yeah. they're, they're like older, uh, grittier in, in a way, but mm -hmm. um, 
there's something about how even the people look at these movies that uh, is just kind of uh, spooky. Like they just look like they're in a horror movie. They're like cold um, looking. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. Uh, and there's usually, you know, I don't know, more theatrical, I don't know if villains is the right word, but um, yeah, I, those ones, those right, ones right. really, really scare me too. Yeah, I, I still have to go down that uh, rabbit hole a little bit more. Uh, I haven't do- gone down it as much as you, but yeah, I get that. So I guess th- what else would be on this list? So back to, back to, okay, real fear, you know, I don't want to jump back to my quick, like thing about the coyotes real quick. Cause I am <laughs> very personally scared of coyotes for some really? reason. And I find, I find I'm not the only one who's scared of coyotes. Huh. I was watching like Bill Burr's special at the Red Rocks. And he has a thread where he's like, it's a bit where he's like, you know, arguing with his wife or something like that. And he's saying something like women never appreciate what you're doing or something like that. And, <laughs> Sounds and, he's, like, like, <laughs> and he's like, I can't, I, he's like, of, I, I don't want to take out the trash at night. And he's like, of course, I'm like, I'm scared of the coyotes too. And like, he's like, talking about how they're both scared of the coyotes. And he's like the rabbit dogs are hunting packs. <laughs> and then when I saw that, I was like, okay, Bill Burr's also scared of the coyotes. And uh, also Stephen A. Smith, who every year NBA season comes around, which I am, you know, I am, you know, I am always just lucky to hear about his new opinions on NBA on the NBA season. I am back at it again. But I remember years ago. He had, he was talking about like, he was like ranting about uh, something about like Phoenix or the city of Phoenix. And he was like, you know, cause he, he like, he's very, uh, he likes to talk about cities and compare cities a lot. And he's like, I want to be in South beach or LA cause weather, you know, that's what he talks about all the time. Like, don't, don't want to get near Chicago during the cold, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll be like, Oh, Phoenix can't be in Phoenix. You know, I'm scared of those coyotes. <laughs> so when I see things like that, I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one who's scared of the coyotes. Yep. But yeah, I am scared of coyotes. <laughs> wow. I would say coyotes are an animal I'm not too afraid of, mainly because I've, I've seen one like in person and it ran away from me as soon as it saw yeah. me. So I right. feel like they're easy to scare. But again, they could be in, in in groups like Bill Burr that says. Is, you know, that yeah, is that, my fear, John. I don't like groups, groups though. The groups of coyotes. Yeah, yeah I have seen coyote a couple. I could take, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will fight. I will fight to the death for I'll, one yeah, coyote. Yeah, I'll kill that fucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen a couple just lone coyotes in my neighborhood, and they have like just ran away. But every time I see one, I'm like oh shit you know like yeah right away yeah i'm like holy fuck and i was on a um i was on a hike by myself uh when i first moved out to california and i went on this hike where i went on a hike alone where i just scaled this like pretty much this mountain or giant hill whatever you want to call it like I went to town <laughs> like it was all like uphill like this like steep and I just like climbed and scaled it you know rocky four style and so I, I went the easy way down which is kind of you know like around 
sort of thing. Like, but not like just down. I went like around. And on that way down, I saw two coyotes and I was just so terrified. I was like, holy fuck, there's two of them, you know? Yeah. Like two could take me for sure. Yeah. When you're on your own, the stakes are so much higher. Right. Exactly. Because at least if you were with a, a few other people, it wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be so bad. But I, I have a ton of anxiety hiking alone for a yeah. lot of those same reasons. I am, right. I try to be so hyper aware. Like even if I have, uh, you know, my dog with me, I'm still just like hyper well, yeah, aware of yeah, my and you surroundings want to protect and your noises. Dog too, yeah. you know. Yeah, my dog could couldn't take a, a mountain lion, which is no. which is definitely my main fear. Yeah, right is, see that's the real that's the real fear yeah. um for sure i've definitely hiked spots around me where i am now and they're more kind of like more like rock climby areas and i'm like what if there was just a mountain lion like i'm here by myself right now this is fucking risky you know not that i don't know, there probably aren't even mountain lions in those areas i'm thinking but you know you never know apparently they're not gonna they don't like actively seek out humans, but if they're like younger or really hungry, then they will. But uh, yeah, still, I just do not want to come. It's just like in, when we lived in California, we are on next door and just the amount of like people in our surrounding neighborhoods that would share like uh, camera footage from their driveway of a mountain lion walking by. And it's like, Oh my God, that's like, that's like three minutes away from, from us right now. Uh, and it was like 2 a.m. and on their their camera, there's a mountain lion just walking by their driveway. Uh, then I'm just like, I oh can't even God. take my dog out in the middle of the night without freaking out about that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Maybe in in North Cal, the mountain lions are just more abundant, I guess. And it might be where we were too. We were right by a town called los gatos which means the cats in spanish which oh is, it's just the mountain the, lion town yeah that's a rough town to be in <laughs> it's the, it wasn't named for little house cats uh that's for sure recording again where did we leave off uh um we yeah, were back on we're talking about fear and anxiety yes of of the animals that coexist <laughs> with our society john <laughs> um, oh yes of course <laughs> uh yeah but um i don't know i guess the i wanted to segue then into real um into the next film that i was going to mention that is like one of the scariest movies to me i don't know if we've ever talked about uh talked about it before um it's uh the strangers oh i don't I don't know if we, ever we have about either, it. but um, that is also one that uh, there's two of those movies, aren't yeah. there? I feel Both like we may have discussed lot, Prey yeah. at Night before, you know? Yeah, we might have done like, that for a, a horror bender last year. Or some, like, whenever that, oh, yeah. I think it came out years ago, but, like, whenever it came da- out, I feel like we were podcasting around oh, that time, maybe. so I, I feel like it had to have come up, but who knows? That could have been a, a long time ago. Um, for all I know, it could have been a 2017 or 2018 movie. Yeah, the original Strangers is exactly what I mean by uh, the real fears. Um, it's kind of like a worst nightmare for people who are afraid um, of that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a specific scene 
in the the first one that I always remember, and it's just I don't remember any of the characters, but this woman's in the kitchen, and yeah, behind her you can see there's a doorway where it's it's really dark. There's no light on in that hallway, right, right. Yeah. and then all of a sudden there's just someone standing there. Right, they just like yeah. move into the frame, and it's just like yeah. And I always think of that. Yeah, it's I so scary. Hate that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the cover of the movie, I think, yes. too. What you're talking about, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that is, yep, so scary. Um, and, and I think it's also the fact that, like, when I watched it, I watched it with my like college roommates at the time, they pretty much just built up my roommates, like, built up how scary this was, and they also like told me, like, that it was like based off things that like actually people were doing and shit like that like that there was a group of people out fucking with other you know out fucking with people in the middle of nowhere and then they actually like murdered them you know and they were like you know and i think the movie at the beginning does have you know like this is based off of real events or blah 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 and and, like maybe closes with some you know text to that says that and it's just like i know the fact that it does put you into that mindset and it does feel so real uh is also just what makes the movie uh so effective yeah yeah you can easily just picture that happening to you and uh yeah watching it is just uh it's i don't know if it's like a suburban thing or whatever but my sister and i both had like uh a fear uh growing up of like someone breaking in uh yeah and and uh, and not knowing especially um, right yeah yeah not no knowing um, yeah obviously i feel find out but not knowing at first there's someone like standing behind you in the doorway or like looking out a window right. and yeah. yeah 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 i feel like it's a b&b like nightmare scenario mm-hmm. too and you know we've all like we've had a B and B that's probably in a more remote location. And that just seems like a very um, like plausible scenario. And you're kind of just, you know, and and just the fact that like the, uh, the terrorizers in this themselves are like aware of the circumstance of it, that like, they seem like the terrorizers seem like very self-aware to where they're like oh we know like their whole mindset like they're in the they're like away from civilization in the middle of this cabin they really can't contact anyone they are just all alone like they're very vulnerable right now like we all we need to do really is like you know do things like knock on the door and like have just some creepy girl like standing there asking if like you know, what does she say is like, is Tara here or some shit like that? Like, that's all it takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it just like, it just like escalates so much. And like, it, it ain't like in, and it's not like in Halloween or whatever. And like, like, I think it's scream. There is an aspect of like, they are fucking with them on the phone for like a couple minutes or something like that. It's not like the whole like movie that they're fucking yeah. with them. And then they finally just put them out of their misery you know like they finally kill them you know yeah yeah that's a good point and uh it's actually interesting i was reading some article the other day about how uh watching scary movies there's just some like study you know who knows how accurate it is but um can help with anxiety 
for certain things like this because it gives you like potential coping mechanisms if you're in that scenario or like what you would do if something like that happens but for something like the strangers that only makes it more uh real to me that that this could happen to me when when i see that and like you said like they're they know like how vulnerable you are and it's like mm-hmm. those people are in control of, mm-hmm. of you in a way that you're, yeah. you're playing yeah, there's no game. way of you overturning <laughs> that yeah. at all like you yeah there's no you're playing their no, game and there's no way there's no it, hand yeah. you could play or you're like yeah yeah you know what i'm also crazy don't worry hey you i'm crazy too yeah i could right? i could <laughs> fuck with you yeah <laughs> yeah you want to fuck with me i'll fuck with you yeah <laughs> put on a mask and take a kitchen knife and, and see how you like yeah, that'd be it. like yeah. the i don't know like um like the office characters were dealing with it it just seems yeah. like what their their route they would take but then they would like immediately they'd be like oh you know? yeah yeah <laughs> panic um but yeah i think like if i'm being honest this is probably by far the scariest movie to me um, that i'm bringing up like i think it's by far the scariest movie um i have seen yeah and like it's one I, I i think i even like try not to think about as much as possible and then like because of every time if i really am thinking about it then i'm like oh my god that like i can't get it out of my head then you know that's the strangers the strangers yes wow yeah yeah, that's definitely uh, it's definitely bringing back uh, uh, memories of watching this. Um, yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of movies like this too, with the uh, like I said, being in a remote location and having people, uh, yeah, terrorize you because you're in a vulnerable vulnerable spot. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Sorry, sorry if I brought that up for anyone who was trying to not thinking about it, but yeah, trigger warning. Right. Um, um another one i'll add to i'll just throw yeah, in there yeah. that uh freaks me out um is hereditary which so that's I just the movie saw. i yeah i was gonna add on my bender okay. and um it's what made me think of this whole topic because i was watching oh, hereditary this weekend and i was like this is definitely one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. What are the, what are the other ones? You know, like that'd be fun to talk about. Yes. That movie yeah. is so scary. Yes. <laughs> met, all, yeah. met all the hype of, uh, yeah. Met all the hype of how scary it was and also how good it is. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I, I you know it's probably uh, completely inaccurate. Um, what I said earlier about how I not as like into or scared by like some supernatural elements um, because there's a lot of that in, in hereditary that freaks me out. Right. Um, so maybe it's ghosts that I'm not so afraid of, but, but shit like, like this in hereditary where you know, someone's crawling on the ceiling and they're like, yeah, uh, yeah. Just like barely out of frame or. Um, yeah. Um, what's her name is. Uh kind of just like in the corner of the ceiling like ready to pounce there yeah like that's again so that's someone up. someone's sort of behind the character but they don't know it and just thinking you know making you look around your shoulder see what's behind you that you can't see uh yeah, yeah. well and then tony collette at the end is like like 
there's like knives being stabbed into her neck i think yeah. right as her neck is yeah. like turning and she's just hanging at the top of the attic oh yeah yeah it's like they were all like i had seen a good amount of the images of this movie um before and uh i was like oh yeah that definitely looks scary but it's now knowing more so uh you know the context um yeah. behind those uh that now i'm like now i'm like okay i get it now you know and uh the movie does like it it is paced like very well and it, it does it is it does kind of take its time to get into the real horror of it um and it, it really it builds like a full story before it you know you know yeah. flexes its real horror guns at you but like i think that is also to what makes it so effective for like uh, viewers especially if you've probably seen this movie before and then you're watching the build-up and you know what's coming and stuff like that because i was watching it with um with friends because i did not want to watch this movie by myself i think that was a good idea um and i was watching their um them uh as we were watching like they kept making like these faces of like angst when nothing was really happening but I, I could tell it was because like certain scenes were making them think of future scenes, you know, that that yeah. are to come. And I was like, OK, you guys are making me like freak out right now because I'm thinking that like something is about to like jump yeah. out at me and like be terrified, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's when you, you can tell someone else knows something's coming, but you don't know what it is. Exactly. Exactly. You just know you that know. it's not good based on the reaction. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, a disturbing movie. And uh, who who's the director of that? Ari Aster. Um, Ari Aster, right. So we did and, Midsummer and, too, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and that's a that big film out. gap I've had now for years. Um, I am so late on Hereditary um, and also on Midsummer, And bringing it up now really is like, you know it, it, it doesn't like it doesn't mean as much because i have, i'm so late on it but like ari aster has been that like that dude in a way uh like these past few years you know ari aster is like a big household horror name and so yeah either though even though i'm so late i am happy to like finally go down that road um i've heard midsummer is not as scary and also not as good but i'm still very intrigued um to see it yeah, it's definitely worth saying. I'd agree that it's it's not as scary or as good, but there's still like disturbing uh, things that disturb me, and it's um, <laughs> along the same lines of Hereditary, where it's like, uh, yeah, I don't mean Ari Aster. He wants to go all out to, uh, yeah, uh, create this this feeling uh, in a viewer, and uh, yeah, it's definitely disturbing, just in the same way. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, and on I'm top of that, hereditary. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say on top of that, like with hereditary, I feel like it's just that he's going after like very relatable like fear in everyone, where like everyone's just afraid of losing someone, mm -hmm. and he's like taking that baseline of trauma, but going full levels with like I don't know, kind of just very like just psychological and stuff to do with like and just stuff like a very realistic psychological stuff with like ghosts and people who are beyond the grave and spirits and stuff like that that are uh 
you know, I don't know, he, you know, in, in a way that isn't like uh, where I can't be like, oh, you know, that would happen. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not thinking that really. I'm, I'm thinking it more. I'm thinking about it very intellectually and uh, like logically when I'm watching Hereditary, I feel like. And that's what makes it very real and scary. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, but yeah, so hereditary. Um, uh, yeah, it makes sense that you just brought that up anyway, since I brought out scariest movies ever. Um, I forget if I was gonna bring up another. Oh, I, I don't know if you got to the orphan or not. I didn't know. Okay, so the orphan is also one of the scariest movies, like to me. Uh, Mainly just because uh, there is a twist in the orphan that is so fucking creepy uh, that it just like it will it really gives you goosebumps like when you uh, it's like for example Wait, I have a I have a question and this might be this might be a spoiler so if you don't want to be spoiled skip ahead but is the twist in the orphan and maybe i'm thinking of a, of a different movie is that she's actually like an adult but she has yes that, that okay. is a twist but i feel like um, i have yeah. seen it yeah you probably have it's been out for yeah. a while and it's pretty it's a big it's a big one and i don't think we're spoiling too much especially since the new orphan uh just came out and um the, you know, in the new orphan, it is basically a prequel to that. So it's based off of everyone knowing that twist. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But, uh, but yes, that is exactly it. And the original very much hinges on that twist and you not knowing that. Yeah. And it like, you know how like in Psycho, it's like there, it kind of, I don't know, one of the big scenes is an exposition scene where you know the detective uh god whatever the detective name name in psycho yeah, is uh <laughs> um he he goes like uh you know he's like norman uh norman eventually became his mother and he's like <laughs> you know, just, he's just describing everything like so the audience catches yeah. up and it's like very direct exposition but it's like probably some of the most iconic exposition ever but it's like i don't know when i saw that as a kid and like even when it, you know even now like it's just like that exposition is very like scary to me you know to like like discover to have the plot of like uh everything just explained in that fashion after you have just seen all this uh unexplained events you know uh yeah like just to have explained like is kind of creepy and orphan has a scene where it's kind of an exposition scene it's not really where one person's explaining everything but like it's where you do find out yes that like this girl who's been living with them this whole time is secretly like an adult that was like in an in a sane asylum and has been kind of just been doing this all over like the like country in the world just been posing as like yeah. an adult and acting like a cute little girl and like the, the and the whole film you're like thinking 
gosh, why is this girl so creepy? You know, she's yeah. just like such a like little girl and she's creeping me out for some reason. And then you find and then you find that out later and you're like, oh, my God, like yeah. that is the weirdest fucking thing ever. And like and yeah, and she's also like has motivation to like seduce like fathers basically because she has always looked like a child and so she's never really been able to like be with a man you know because she's always looked young so she like takes the love she gets from fathers who think that you know they're her cute daughter but she like she uses that love as like oh i'm going to seduce them now and make them my own and like I'm going to be anti the mother and stuff like that and try to turn this family against each other and stuff like that. And so it's like that along with like from this family's perspective, just like the fact that they thought they had a fucking kid this whole time, like an innocent kid who seems to have a little weird issues, but that's really it It has this whole other like really dark shade to them that you would have never thought you would have never guessed like, at all like there's a lot of conflict in the original orphan that you're like thinking like that you think you know the conflict you think you know that this girl is just like just like a creepy girl you know blah 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 and that there's all this you know tension like building because of it but then once you find out this this piece of information and this this twist unfolds um it just adds a whole new thing to it and it's done through like exposition but it's like kind of like a it's like i forget it's like a detective or like someone who's works at a like therapy clinic or something or someone at the adoption agency is just like like, going through like a long list of like like paperwork and you know like background of this person who's been doing this and finding out weird stuff like oh oh my god i read that she was in this mental hospital in like europe and she's been bouncing around them all for years and then it showed like they have pictures of her with like other families and and shit like that and uh you know you just see um Ah, fuck the actress. Fuck, she's so well known. I should have it at the top of my head. Vera Farmega, uh, finding out like all this information, uh, and be like, oh my god, and like then you they cut to the orphan at home, and she's like putting on her like she doesn't have like her makeup on, so she just looks like an actual just like really short woman and stuff like that, and it's just yeah, yeah. So I yeah. hope I described why this movie is like one of the scariest movies for me fucked up yeah yeah i'm glad we talked through that because uh as soon as you said you started talking about the twist i was like i swear i i like something that just popped into my head um if that was the twist then i, I remembered i had seen it so so you've seen orphan god yes it, got it. so now okay. i need to see the new one for sure. <laughs> all right well yeah. yeah definitely all right yeah yeah uh yeah, I, I, I would have figured you'd seen the original Orphan. It's like a really good movie. And uh, like it definitely, I think, like if you bring it up with it, most people, it uh, they'll definitely talk, be like, oh, yeah, I liked Orphan. And like they're like, uh-huh. yeah, that was really scary, you know, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And uh, um, I actually saw it when I was like in eighth grade. And I watched it the same night 
that I also watched the original Halloween and Ooh. I had never seen that before either. So boy, was that a creepy night for me. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, that's a, that's a really terrifying uh, two movies to watch at the same it night. Was, it was, it really No matter was. what I, age, yeah. <laughs> yeah, straight up just had like a ton of trouble falling asleep, I remember, you know, because I was, I was juggling my, I was juggling between the dude in the white mask who was stalking people and the fucking orphan woman who pretends to be, you know, a little girl. Like, I was also thinking about that on the other side mm-hmm. of my brain, you know? Yeah. Uh, that uh, reminds me of, um, have you seen the documentary The Imposter? I have not. Uh, do you know <laughs> about it, though? No, but I have, like, oh. a feeling of what it's about just by the title name. Yeah, so it's a documentary, true story of... Uh, not the same level of that, but there's a boy in Texas who went missing. He was, yeah, he was like 13 when he went missing and then he was, he was gone for three years. And uh, so when he would have been 16, this was like the early 2000s, uh, some person came back and was found claiming to be this kid. And turns out, and they like believed him because they weren't sure because they had no idea where he was like story was like he was kidnapped and taken to like mexico or something like that um and they don't know like the kind of changes he went through and like mentally he was he was so different but they thought that it was just because he'd been kidnapped through for three years right but it turns out it was uh the spanish guy in his 30s who just pretended to be their son he looked up, he would look up missing cases, missing he, kids yeah. cases like this. And then like he did it multiple times. He would pose as, try to pose as their son to convince them that he was them and he would be like brought into the family. Yeah. And it is so, and in the documentary, they talk, like they talk to the guy too. And it's just so. It's like his perspective. Yeah. And it's, uh. Just, and, just and you see so a younger looking dude and that's how he's able to pull it off too yeah he is he is younger but then when they reveal that he's like you know 30 something uh it's like yeah you could see that too like he you can he, tell he's obviously yeah. 30 yeah uh, like the pictures they showed of like that time like you could see like i could they were probably skeptical of his age obviously and skeptical of him but uh him being uh yeah that old uh you know it was definitely like passable but uh yeah right basically gave it away but they i mean they don't like sugarcoat the, the there's it's not really a twist in the documentary but uh they just go through his that whole process and it's just how weird. long did he keep it up for uh, i don't remember um yeah i'd have to look that up but it was in uh the late 90s is it like a horror documentary uh like consider a horror documentary or is it just like a really real documentary i'd say it's it's not a horror documentary it's just uh like a fucked up story but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's definitely like it's uh i'd say it's it's also intentionally you know trying to make this story like scarier though too yeah right um, right yeah but this guy was just like a serial imposter just always doing this like taking on different identities of people who have been missing and it's just a like a wild story 
the yeah. weirdest thing yeah yeah but yeah um, that's the orphan <laughs> i mean that's a good segue to orphan first kill which i can talk about with uh, minimal spoilers um since you haven't seen it yet um because in orphan first kill esther the creepy orphan from the first movie is now our protagonist which is oh. really fucking weird. You are like following yeah. her and it's kind of, it takes place before um, she uh, in, you know, poses as, you know, gets right. adopted by the family from the first movie. Um, she does exactly what you are talking about in the imposter. She poses as a missing uh, kid um, while she's, while we kind of see her uh, like in she's kind of in Europe, like she breaks out of a mental institution very like violently. And then she's kind of drifting around Europe. And she I think she kind of knows she needs to get out or something like that. So she just sees that she can be taken up by a, uh, a you know, a, a family who's like been really missing their uh daughter and she knows that she kind of looks like her so she she does it and um uh the mom is played by julia styles so she meets julia styles and uh you know she's like oh my god it's been so long and she's like mommy <laughs> and it's like so <laughs> fucking weird um and then she meets the whole family and of course and this family is very um I think like the family in the first movie, this is a very well-off family. Ah, uh, but without, spo and it, it kind of starts a little like the first one too, where it's like, uh, oh my God, you know, there's a little things off with her, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she's very into the dad. Um, like the first one, like the, she like, Esther likes to paint. So she's always painting with the dad who's like a, you know, is a, is an artist but uh, it's really hard to spoil the uh to talk about the rest without the plot because it takes it takes a very unexpected turn um and the movie is very much not like the first one in that regard because of this unexpected turn and i would almost argue that this uh the this plot choice i would almost say is like really downs the quality of like of this movie and makes it not very scary and makes it more of a it's almost like a situational comedy to me in a like very fucked up like dark situation oh. um and it's but i but be, because of that like i just i don't know i really enjoyed this i thought it was very fun and funny and it's just like not what you would expect. It's not uh, this movie's not like at all as good as the first, of course, but it's definitely they're definitely trying to do something interesting with it. Uh, I don't know if it totally works at all. I, I would say it definitely doesn't work, but it's still very funny uh, to watch them go for it. Um, and it's very ridiculous. Uh, and so I would say it's just like worth watching for that. It's definitely not, I would say this movie's probably not scary at all, but it's like, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a good time. It's like funny. Uh -huh. um, it's just like, yeah. It, like, it, it's just like one of those, like, it's like, there's like a plot uh, point 
big plot point that I can't give away that I'm like, wow, I can't believe they decided to go that direction with it and like, I don't commit to it. And like, it's just kind of funny what comes out of it. Yeah, you piqued my curiosity. I got to see what, <laughs> what this is. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really weird. So I, I, I like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Did you see it in theaters or is it streaming? I watched it with the, uh, the folks when I visited Chicago. Oh, so is it streaming it's, um, somewhere though? I think we... Or rented it? Yeah, probably rented it. Yep, probably gotcha. rented it. Nice. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Um, I don't know if there's no other movies to bring up for like, I don't know what we consider the scariest. We can move into the bender. I, I guess one more. I've already I could just throw this out there because I've talked about it before in detail a lot, I think. But I do think Twin Peaks Firewalk with me um, is one of the scariest films yeah. Um, and I watched it once alone late at night um, in my parents' basement, and I definitely regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have talked to me about that before. Yeah. I think so. That. Yeah. 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 David Lynch. I was like, I got to also... watch it. This movie's so good, you know? But then I watched yeah. it. I was like, oh my God, I forgot this is like the scariest Lynch movie, probably. And I just decided yeah. to watch it by myself in the dark. Yeah, David Lynch movies are very uh, scary to me. And, uh, you know, even like the tamest episode of Twin Peaks still just creeps me out uh, a lot. So, yeah, Um, that's a good one. I also thought of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That one uh, is very scary as well. Yeah, that's that's incredibly. Yeah, that when I'm watching it, um, I don't know, I feel like my hair like standing up and i'm like sweating just from the overall intensity and uh yeah yeah, that's probably the best horror movie i would say if i'm speaking objectively on like if i was saying oh these are the objective best horror movies it's you know texas chainsaw and like halloween and like the shining if we're gonna go just like objectively the best ones yeah that's those are definitely like sort of the pinnacle like the early big uh influential horror movies yeah and then out of those three texas chainsaw is the scariest one probably so then you know i would yeah i'd agree texas chainsaw yeah 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 all right well i should move on to horror bender then yeah let's do it uh yeah so i'll start off with uh this uh october i've been trying to get more into some smaller horror movies that I haven't seen uh, maybe some more B movies or lesser known ones uh, or like uh, you know ones from sort of campy ones from the 80s <laughs> that uh, you know I wasn't an 80s kid so I didn't uh, so I haven't, <laughs> haven't have seen yet right um, but yeah uh, so one of them is Society uh, which is uh, Brian uh, Yezna, who also did um, some of the Reanimator sequels. And Reanimator uh, is a great uh, 80s horror movie uh, as well. But Society is about uh, this sort of elitist cult in Southern California that this kid, this like high school kid, discovers as going out of all these people um... that he knows. Um, but it, it's like a funny it, this also would fit into the horror comedy category 
right um, right it's also very funny and then the so it, it's pretty obvious that there's like a, a a cult in town people are acting strange and he's getting to the bottom of it and when you see what these people do in okay. their in their like on their rich people sex cult it i can't even <laughs> yeah. describe i could even spoil it because i can't even put it into words what what they do and what you see but uh it is a really fucking weird really good uh and like funny horror movie from the 80s uh, that really utilizes like practical effects uh uh, really well yeah the the effects are so good but it's so like of its time Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah it's almost like eyes wide shut meets the thing meets uh i don't know I, you could you could say something else but like okay in terms of like the practical effects and and sort of weird uh i don't know crazy uh, yeah i can't even i can't even describe it it's just uh yeah it gets really weird um but yeah i liked it a lot it's a yeah can't be 80s horror movie no um, yeah that sounds good also, uh also genuinely scary and, and creepy yeah an orgy cult in Beverly Hills. Like, how could I yeah. not check yeah. that out? Yeah, from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's society. Uh, that's actually like um, I don't know. That couldn't be almost a more perfect transition for my movie. And you brought up Reanimator, which is apparently like in. The, I've never seen Reanimator, but apparently it's in the like kind of in the genre of like movie that i saw uh like like what would you say the genre of reanimator is john since you've seen it apparently yeah i love reanimator i'd say i mean it's also like a horror comedy but it it uses i don't know what the the term would be like like body dysmorphia or something body maybe body horror would be yeah okay actually body horror is, is probably pretty apt uh description for both body horror and society yeah okay it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of like practical effects with the body and right okay weird yeah like we it's not like creatures and stuff like the thing that was probably a bad uh connection but okay yeah body horror i would yeah gotcha all right well all right thanks for clarifying because now (laughs) i know that i am sticking in the same genre of horror right. with my movie we are not going anywhere now i know exactly to what a society is about because uh, all right my movie is and I'll, I'll just say what movie it is and then we'll we'll cut <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah. for the transition but i am talking about frankenhooker oh man i i saw that you watched this and i uh this one's been on my list frankenhooker um is a film by Frank Hannenlauter, who is known for horror comedies, or as he would prefer to call them, uh, exploitation movies. Uh, he has made the film Basket Case, Brain Damage, uh, Basket Case 2 and 3, um, a movie called Bad Bio, and of course, uh, Frankenhooker, which is a uh, movie about a medical student dropout who loses fiance in a lawnmower incident and decides to bring her back to life. Um, and so this this main character, who's played by, I believe, James Lawrence, is kind of this, like, 
mad scientist almost if you will that is living in his mom's garage and doing these just really bizarre experiments with bodies um and is always like doing very like kind of gross stuff with like women's bodies like always has like parts of them chopped up in his garage and like he always has the face the head of his of his former uh fiance in there and he's just really working to pair body parts with her to bring her back to life and it's kind of his main project but it it does seem like all this body stuff is very much his area of expertise like he does it all the time and like that bringing her back to life with the correct body parts is like just the biggest the project you know that he's been yeah. building to this whole time and it is like don't get me wrong it is very fucked up to watch him do all this stuff and then but like you said like the, the the like effects are very practical so you see a lot of like very fake looking body parts around that are like bloody and it it kind of adds to the I don't know the ridiculousness and the humor of this whole thing and i think despite like the fact that this character is very creepy and like weird obviously and his whole life is fucked up as hell i don't know you're not like it's very you're not turned off by any of it and how weird and gross it is specifically because at least i wasn't turned off by it specifically because the movie is very funny and very much plays on just the ridiculousness of this whole thing um and is and keeps the tone for the most part i feel like like light uh, around everything he's doing like the character ends up going to new york to find like he and, and he goes to find hookers to match with his fiance who he's going to bring back from the dead and so he's on the street like picking them out and they're all like aren't you gonna have a are you gonna have a part are you gonna have a party like how many do you want and like he's like i am going to need a whole bunch of you or something like that (laughs) they're like oh wow what a crazy party this is gonna be you better have some money and he's like oh i have money and then he's like brings them all back eventually and there's like this great montage where he's like measuring them all you know and stuff like that and he's like oh this is just perfect like these thighs are just perfect you know what i mean (laughs) and they're all kind of expecting him to be just like this i don't know weird sex fiend who's like trying to find the right girl to have sex with but he's really like going to like you know you trying to use all of them in like different you know parts you know he's really like a you know a lunatic and eventually it builds to him bringing her back um but she like his fiance but she's in this weird like place because she's got all the she like wakes back up and she's like I've got all these different women in me. I feel so strange, you know, like, and she's kind of walking around always like almost like a Terminator 
that is like a hooker you know she's like on the streets of new york and she's just like she has all this like super strength because like she has all these women's bodies in her and then he's out like looking for her you know and stuff like that um uh so yeah it takes a few weird turns to say uh to say the least um and it was definitely uh i've definitely never seen uh, a movie like this at all especially since i have like i said i haven't seen reanimator uh and like so and that was what i was told is like the main thing you could compare that to and so not only just the tone of this and like the plot of this was all unexpected it was just like i'd never seen anything like it um and like how you were trying to describe your film in like this meets this i would say like because it is so weird i would say this is kind of like it has like taxi driver in it because like mm -hmm. i felt like it was a very street movie of new york and there was a lot of it looks prostitutes like it. in it and like yeah it's like a very good new york street movie and then at the same time, like, I felt like it had a little of, like, Terminator 1 in it because of, like, the way his fiance ends up being. But then it, it also felt like, I don't know, like a Cronen, Cronenberg-y in a way or something like that. Like, also, like, I was getting, like, the Fly vibes or something like that. It was just, yeah, well, it was just such a unique movie. Wow, yeah, I'm, uh... Oh, I'm mad I haven't watched this yet because uh, I remember like making uh, sort of a list on Letterboxd of movies I want to watch this month, horror movies I want to watch. This I just had never heard of before, but looked at it. And uh, so it was recommended on something, uh, maybe on Letterboxd, I don't know. And it just looked like a body horror movie, kind of like Reanimator or, uh, or something that would be just really, right. really awesome yeah um, so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see this one i'll definitely watch this one in the next few days i'm sure um, yeah and it's like a full-on horror comedy that we could have had like on our last episode i feel like you know it could have been featured on there like for sure uh this is also on peacock right um you, i think watch i watched it I, I forget where i watched it. it i don't i don't think we rented um it might have been because i think no, it's it on... was on it was on Amazon Prime, but it was with it was um, my brother Jake's Shutter extension. So that's oh, okay. It. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. I think it might be on Peacock too, which I was just going to mention. I think Peacock has a pretty solid. Uh, it horror, does. Um, it does. Yes. Horror batch, I guess I should say. But uh, yeah, we just have Peacock through our like internet with Xfinity, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People I've seem been, like, to be able to get Peacock so easily just for random yeah. moments. They're like, here, I'll just grab Peacock right now for the moment. You know, I've just given it's happened it a couple times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the movie I just talked about, Society, I think was on there. And then Frankenhooker. And then the, uh, the next one that I'll bring up was on Peacock. And it's from 1979 called Tourist Trap. Tourist um, Trap. Yeah, this is another one. It looks like producer Jake has seen it as well. Uh, it's another one I didn't know like anything about, uh, and I was just looking more into it, and it seems uh, like a like a fun, um, interesting, different horror movie. And uh, it is. It's basically I, th I think there are these teenagers or like early twenties people. They get stranded, uh, sort of 
out in the middle of nowhere and there's this like roadside carnival type or like house fair thing what is it museum i guess is what they call it um (laughs) and it's just run by this one quirky old guy and uh mr slauson (laughs) yeah mr slauson yeah (laughs) and he just has like all these mannequins everywhere and it's just a very eccentric weird like estate that he has and uh and yeah and the the mannequins as it says in the plot the museum is run by him and populated by his collection of supernatural mannequins so the mannequins you can kind of imagine and seeing poster two like come to to life and it's very uh very scary and creepy Mm -hmm. this is actually uh um this is another like weird uh maybe aspect of horror movies that freaks me out but like an inanimate object that is shaped like to look like a real thing but it's not a real thing mm-hmm. you know like uh the house of wax or something like that where yeah yeah like mannequins coming to life or like the living doll or something there's a twilight zone episode of these mannequins that like come to life in this store and it's very like just creepy and weird and yeah that's kind of what what this one is um but it's it's like a teen kind of teen slasher uh movie but uh also yeah it just has such like that 70s horror movie style uh to it too so yeah uh this is yeah i I could see myself getting into something like this like a bunch of creepy mannequins like sounds like a real fear as well yeah and yeah when they like move and and (laughs) And everything it's it's scary yeah they look really scary too so uh yeah that's tourist trap um nice all right my next one is one i think that you watched recently too and we were also talking about this director jeff baina uh last episode right uh mm-hmm. or maybe the episode before that um because i yeah. watched uh I, I i yeah he you know he he kept, he stayed in my mind a little bit enough for me and for me to watch uh, Life After Beth with oh, Aubrey nice. Plaza and uh, John C. Riley and uh, Molly Shannon and Cheryl Hines and Paul Reiser. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> yeah, I watched that a few weeks ago too. Nice, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this movie is uh, it's pretty good. Um, I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, first of all, uh, Aubrey Plaza in it is a zombie except it's basically like played as in like i don't know it's more like like i noticed that every especially since we have a zombie movie today every like zombie movie tends to have its own like like rule book you know on what this zombie is gonna be like aubrey plaza is is kind of played it's kind of played a certain way as to how she's a zombie i feel yeah like she's kind of she she's first off she's still a very aware human at the same time she's kind of yeah. almost like half zombie you know yeah it's definitely it's a uh, its own sort of version of uh zombie kind of uh similar to frankenhooker in the sense of uh, a guy loses his girlfriend and then yeah she exactly. comes back right. to to life right. in, a, in a certain way right um, and it's, yeah and it's kind of like played off of like i don't know everyone's it's very like what if you know it's like very everyone's point of view like from the guy's point of view like 
what if your girlfriend came back as a zombie? How long would you hold on to her? You know, like, uh-huh. would you see the signs? Like, you know, how would the parents handle it? It's like, I don't know. It's like kind of very, very, it's very much trying to be like comedic for like a situation based in reality. And, and I think, I think the script is okay. I think that the actors in this movie are a lot better than the script for this movie is. Um, I think this is fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, 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 I do think it's, I don't know. There were times where I was like, eh, this is a little, you know, this is like a little ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, I know yeah. it's supposed to be ridiculous, but I, I didn't feel like it was ridiculous always in a good way necessarily um like the way frankenhooker is but i i did for the most part like this and i especially since john c Riley is the dad and molly shannon's the mom just makes it all the more um more fun to watch uh and, and i do think aubrey plaza is also like definitely fit to play a zombie yeah. as well yeah definitely yeah i feels similarly to uh life after beth um to compare it to the other jeff fana movie that i've seen spin me around they both have things that i that i like in them that i'm like on board with think is you know either funny or uh you know just an interesting story uh but then they also both are just really missing something missing sort of something that really hooked me into right the whole the whole vibe of of the movie and 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 what's going on and i think yeah like the the setups for for both of those movies i found really interesting and was was into but yeah it's just not really uh there's something missing that's making me care uh enough about what's going Mm. on and and finding it as amusing as I think it's supposed right. to be or meaning to be. Yeah, I, I think what life after Beth kind of builds to in the end is sort of worth it. Like where she's kind of burning the house down and she's lost <laughs> it. She's terrorizing everyone. And John C. Riley's like, oh my God, this is what we didn't want to happen or something like that. Like, I think it builds to it good, but I just felt like the journey along the way got a little tiresome yeah you know eventually aubrey plaza gets very jealous that she her boyfriend's speaking to anna kendrick and she's like who is this you know like and you know and it's like all right i mean you were like just like eating him in the scene prior to this you know like you like it it just it, it takes a little the the plot like unfolds like i think fairly slowly maybe i'm not sure i forget what i agree with that yeah 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 and 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 like i i think a lot of the the stuff especially at the beginning with the parents even though it is john c Riley and molly shannon is very ridiculous when john 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 c Riley like he's like the son's like losing his mind that aubrey plaza's back and john c Riley's like what do we want to tell you she just came back, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and like the whole, like the way they're kind of withholding all this zombie stuff is like a little obvious maybe and a little tedious, I guess. Yeah. I, I enjoyed 
watching it overall, but it just kind of confirms my uh, prior like suspicions of Jeff Bainer's con- that I you're my suspicions of <laughs> <Yeah>. Jeff Bainer. <laughs> I don't I, trust I, that Jeff Bainer, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I can like get in get on board with with his stuff, but it just doesn't really uh I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really hook me in. Um, yeah. yeah. The ideas don't entirely follow through. Uh, I think I'll just bring up like one more. You know, I'll go with this one because I didn't like it as much as the other one I was thinking about, but it's uh, more interesting to bring up. Um, I watched Dracula AD 1972. Oh. And Incredible. if you're not, if you're not <laughs> what familiar a flex with this. of a movie to break out. <laughs> yeah. So this is, um, so there's, several movies where christopher lee plays dracula and peter cushing is van helsing and this is one of them but this one is set in 1972 uh so i first became aware of this on twitter so someone shared a like someone constructed a trailer out of clips from this movie into like a 70s crime uh series like promo um and it, it looks so good that i was like i gotta see what this what this movie is and it had uh you know freaking count dooku and grand moff tarkin uh in it. <laughs> uh you know i can't so, help myself yeah I, I had to see i had to see what was going on with them back in 1972 <laughs> um and yeah so it's uh i think um this is another one where uh i'm getting i'm really interested in um what this looks like and uh and sort of you know the style uh of it like this 70s like it's very 70s uh (laughs) yeah but it's like combining sort of the um yeah just like the dracula story into that but this is like the granddaughter of van helsing and the grand and like grandson and the great granddaughter something like peter cushing plays both van helsing dr van helsing from like the 1800s and his grandson in like present day 1972 got it that's kind of confusing but uh yeah it's the same dracula and uh yeah it's just like i think an interesting story uh or take on yeah yeah because it's always during the same time and they make it over and over again during the same time why not see it in a modern urban environment yeah yeah and it involves you know uh like teenagers um you know sort of like 70s horror tropes like teenagers sort of getting up to no good you know messing with black magic or something you know to uh to summon um dracula back so it yeah it's cool it incorporates this old classic uh horror tale but also infuses just the 70s into it and it, it looks a right, lot right, like right. uh i don't know if you've ever seen this show the prisoner this is like an old not. it's an old english show i just found out about this last year because a friend of mine used to live in england and um this is like a super big show back in the day but it's like a, a late 60s early 70s british series um where it's uh it's sort of a mystery similar like similar just like like early 70s late 60s look to it uh and so it just like reminds me of that so like uh, yeah i was i was really in on it because it, it reminded me of that show um and everything and i and i think maybe in the end it really didn't 
play into that um, sort of campy 70s uh, like horror tropes or even just like style enough uh, because I thought that's what it really had going for it but uh, I still liked it overall and still thought it was a, a fun movie um, but uh, yeah it's um, Dracula 80 1972 yeah it's an interesting one to, to see for sure you know yeah I, uh, I definitely want to see that a lot along with I don't know if we did the Herzog one, did we? Yes, we did. We did. Yeah. We yeah, might yeah. have, and it might have been my favorite. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, but it might have been one of my favorite ones. Um, yeah. We yeah. No, that. That's... And we talked about Coppola's. Um, right. Dracula. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds really cool. Um, I like. Yeah, for some reason, it's like so. It's just so fun to watch this story over and over again and see what they do yeah. with it and this sounds like like it definitely do like even just in the title they're trying to be different with it and yeah. uh that's cool all right uh, my last movie uh will be it'll be uh rounding out something that we've talked about before um it'll be rounding out david gordon green's halloween uh trilogy halloween i mean obviously we're rounding it out because it's called halloween ends with uh, right. the same cast except for uh, Judy Greer because she was uh, murdered in the last one. Uh, yes. But yeah, I, I do recall us uh, thoroughly discussing Halloween Kills last year, so I think it's only fitting we discuss uh, the follow-up um, this for uh, the follow-up to that one uh, this year. Um, yeah. So Halloween ends. I'd say right off the bat. I did not like it, but <laughs> I disliked it less than Halloween Kills, and that would be the that'd be the starting point for uh, talking about it, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I saw you gave it a, a pretty bad rating on Letterboxd. So I was wondering if this was your least favorite of these. If I disliked it more. Yeah. Well, I I, I gave the other ones a bad rating too, so that's <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know the scale is low, you know. Yeah, out of these, I think the 2018 one was probably the best. I think the best. Every, yeah, everyone would agree on that. Um, but I, I didn't hate Halloween Ends. Um, I thought it was definitely very ridiculous and you know comical. Like I've I've seen everybody talk about how uh, they basically wanted to make this movie like it was still the, you know, the 70s or 80s, like um, people using the same you know doing the same things like not taking advantage as much of modern technology uh when this is and and uh yeah so i there's a lot of like weird things that just don't really uh make any sense or aren't that interesting but i think um i liked that it did something different than just the typical uh, right. like michael myers is uh you know hunting laurie down or you know anyone like just that like it took a different turn and incorporated like another you know person being inspired by by him in a way. right yeah right i think that's definitely an interesting um idea um for it i mean like they're trying to do something different with each one of these it seems now like halloween kills was like what if we the people we strike back at him you know Evil dies we fight tonight. We fight back at them, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. And this one is like, you know, what if it's not about Michael Myers as much, but really about like who he like inspires 
and whatnot. And I'm all for that. It's just one. I don't like a Halloween movie where Michael Myers is like barely in it. I found that very uh, bizarre. And especially because of that, I didn't find the movie like to be scary really ever. Um, I don't think it was ever scary. And I, I found myself a little just confused and frustrated watching just this guy uh, date uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's granddaughter and just watch their like love story. And I'm like, okay, I don't. And I was like, all right, I don't care about this. I know yeah, I don't. Was just bullshit. like, yeah. let's get to the point like of this, you know, yeah. and it takes up it takes up most of the movie is the thing. Like, it's not like, oh, that's just act one. It's like act one and two is that. I didn't buy that, like, she didn't really see. I mean, maybe I did. I don't know. Like, I, I also just thought, like, God, why why is she into him so much? You know, yeah. like, oh, yeah. I, I didn't, no, I didn't really so get stupid. that, you know. I mean, I yeah. and I didn't really find, I don't think they really sold the audience correctly on, like, oh that she should have common ground with him because everyone thinks she killed someone you know that yeah. he killed someone like i didn't really buy that and also like at the beginning like i think we do see oh yeah he did kill that kid you know so like he is a killer you know what i mean like i didn't find there to be layers to it um that much um yeah i i did find it fun when you like there is the reveal that he's oh my god he's sneaking into the sewers to see michael myers for yeah. some reason and they're and, battling uh, them yeah and i was like wait how do you yeah, eventually they're battling yeah and i was like wait how does this like and, I, and then i just had so many questions i was like wait how does this work like, well, how does he have this relationship with Michael Myers? Yeah. How the hell did that happen? A guy, a guy whose whole like thing is that he doesn't have a relationship with anybody. You know what I mean? Like, how is this whole thing work? How is he able to go down in the sewer to see him and then leave and then go see the granddaughter again? You know, like, I don't yeah. like I just found that really weird. I feel um, like they tried to, like, justify that with, like, certain moments where like michael observes him doing something and it's like help helping him in a way right yeah like I, I feel like there's some moment where, where someone's like attacking michael and then he kills them for right michael. there is yeah there is yeah. yeah but but it's just yeah it's still bizarre because it's like michael myers isn't like a understanding nah uh, yeah. person <laughs> you know he's not gonna be like Oh, finally, someone gets me, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that, that what it is? I don't know. Yeah. Or it, was he using was he using the uh, the kid to get to Lori or something? I don't I don't know. Yeah, Maybe that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, I true, don't know. Yeah. We don't know because the movie doesn't really explain it. The storytelling's very haphazard. So that's one of the things I didn't like about it. But the problem is, is like, that thing I didn't really like is pretty much the whole, you know, like the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I did like when like he gets mad at Michael to like in the climax and they kind of like zoom out and you're kind of looking through that tunnel view and the two are just like fighting in there. I thought that was kind of cool and kind of funny. It's like Anakin and Obi-Wan. 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And he and he takes the mask and he doesn't do I mean, he kills some people with it. He definitely goes on a bit of a rampage, uh, but he gets like stopped uh, you know, by uh Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis eventually, of course. And I think I I found also the drama between Jamie Lee and the granddaughter to be a little tiresome. I didn't totally buy um that either as they were as she was trying to like I get that the she wants to leave and I guess um you know uh Lori wants to keep her fam what what's left of her family together so I guess that yeah makes sense too but then at the end to I don't know make it have to make it seem like Jamie Lee Curtis killed this boy like it was a little much yeah um and I mean, I I, th- I think the main thing of the movie I really like is the end. I do thought I did find it funny watching them basically pin Michael Myers yeah. on the kitchen counter and just drain the fluid of blood from him and do everything in their power to murder like him. Like the fridge down. On um. Him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like literally, recklessly, just like let's take everything in our house and just smash him with. Yeah. You know, like, let's knife him all over his body like let's just you know like oh let's slit his wrist now you know that will really be sure that he's dead yeah 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 it's kind of like as a viewer what you've always kind of wanted you're like why do they always have to let him live just cut his head off you know like all that stuff and then at the end they like put him through the the meat seller smasher thing which they don't do any like uh like there's no investigation there's no like let's this is a a serial killer for like decades who's been right right just like you know on just running unhinged killing people for decades right right right. we're not gonna like try and do any no forensics yeah no forensics left just stick him in the fucking meat grinder yeah will Patton lets it happen yeah well, I think I think the argument could, for that could be made by fans that they they I don't know I think they were just trying to do something different and I think in almost every Halloween movie he is left in a cell for her forensic purposes and then you see at the beginning of the next movie he gets up again and everyone's like well why do they let him stay alive so i think they're yeah, just yeah. trying to do that differently in this at least i guess um but yeah i i forget what like afterwards what really the ending is after they just chop him to bits i i yeah i don't, yeah, know I if don't you remember do. yeah yeah but i don't know that's pretty much the the end there i forget if it ends like somewhat optimistically i know i think like jamie lee is just kind of like writing in her book like that's evil book yeah yeah, she's like evil like does like i don't know i don't know she has some profound thing to say like evil does morph into something else you know and it (laughs) and it and it does stick around and like ends her book in just some way like that i don't know yeah 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 that's definitely how it ends yeah but it's it's definitely not a good movie um (laughs) yeah Yeah, but there are things that i enjoyed about it in an ironic way um, right right. i guess and one thing too that you were talking about the uh 
just like why are these people together you know this guy and yeah jimmy lee curtis's granddaughter like this couple makes no sense right so weird and uh it's also when they're like uh at that restaurant like a diner or something sitting across from each other and her ex-boyfriend or ex-husband or whatever whoever comes by and he's like 20 years older than both of them and he's like this like really like oh yeah this really like he's a man's man type guy right. yeah, yeah and yeah. now she's like with the opposite which i guess yeah you could say like oh she just i'm with wanted... the sensitive type now yeah you she know? wanted the sensitive but this guy is just so these guys are just so right different from each other that like, you can't even picture her with this ex-boyfriend and he's just like yeah. a like a bully like he's just there like in like a old yeah movie. Like, he's yeah, like harassed well he's like playing pool with the guys over there and then yeah he, yeah or they're, they're they're like eating a breakfast with like eight other construction workers over there yeah it's like yeah. an old such an old movie thing and he just like and then he comes over balls. and he's like what are you guys doing here yeah. <laughs> you know i'm gonna well, like what you I'm said gonna... you killed somebody and you're sad is that it you yeah know, yeah just like yeah, a yeah. douchebag yeah. right yeah. it's just so weird yeah just, yeah just starts harassing her pretty much yeah, I don't remember him in the first movie or the second movie, so I don't know if they just threw him in there or something. Or... Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, well, that's uh... yeah. And it, it, it is weird too. One more thing, like before we wrap up, like how also this guy. I don't know the logic behind this kid. Like he's like a killer, and he worship Michael Myers. Worships Michael Myers, but he's also like able to talk to his girlfriend like normally and somewhat like stands up for himself normally and he he's like calling her and going like we're getting away tonight we're gonna leave all of this and he has like ambitions like a regular human to like like just leave like your home behind and just escape you know like a very regular human being thing that we all feel i just like don't get this guy at all like they they kind of shift him between regular dude to like mass murderer like that you know and i don't really see it yeah that's uh that's another good point um because he is completely psychotic i guess i just wish that the character had a little more like inner conflict that i saw maybe that was explored more uh uh or just like i don't know a weird like a weird like dual personality psychotic thing i don't know something something just like a little more than what i got you know from this guy yeah yeah i could that's fair um i did think he had a lot uh uh, of internal (laughs) conflict that's true uh, he that's that's a lot of the movie (laughs) yeah but it's like go kind of basic with it not it's uh right exactly i feel like and maybe i'm not remembering it hundred uh, percent correctly, but I feel like it's more of like selfish reasons that he is so conflicted, messed up now is because of how people treat him, not because he feels guilty that he accidentally killed a kid. Um, if yeah, that yeah, that, which is what I wish, you know, because there's like an inciting incident, you know, that that's what it's all about. So yeah, they don't really, they don't really like explore that, you know. Yeah, yeah, it seems like he's more so just upset about how people perceive him rather than uh yeah the trauma of uh accidentally killing someone who you're uh tasked with uh yeah having (laughs) responsibility over so yeah right 
yeah that's a fair point uh, but yeah um yeah we, we've now finished up that halloween trilogy so yeah i mean there's not much left to say about it. they are always fun uh to talk about uh because they're usually very ridiculous so i don't know i think i at, at the very least i would like to thank you know even though you kind of they kind of like they kind of fucked the, these movies up i would like to thank the makers behind them for at least giving me like i don't know some fun stupid horror movies to watch and talk talk about every year you know because you could uh, yeah. i've always been able to count on it something to look forward to that's that's what they're giving us well yeah should we uh now get into korean horror yeah so that yeah our this wasn't Sorry. brought up because we were talking about coyotes and uh <laughs> orphans <laughs> two scariest things in the world yeah yeah for sure and but our topic of the day is actually a, a korean horror um and uh it's definitely uh something i am not uh, an expert on uh my brother jake was gonna be here for this episode but um you know he's got some life things going on so he wasn't uh he's unfortunately unable to be here and he was supposed to be kind of like our korean horror expert uh, for the day, but uh, it's all right. John and I. Uh, unfortunately, Jake was killed by coyotes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So he won't be joining us, but yeah. He was killed by coyotes until his next episode with. <laughs> yeah. And then he. We'll bring him back first. to life, uh, Frankenhooker right. style. Yeah. Frankenhooker yeah. style. <laughs> <laughs> so our three movies of the day are Train to Busan, Thirst by the infamous Park Chan Woke. And uh, Terror Train. Uh, wait, that's not right at all. It's not Terror Train. No, yeah, yeah, I was like, wait, that's not the, the title of it. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, maybe whaling. that's a different version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, oh, I watched the different version. The, the direct Korean translation is actually Terror Train. Uh, <laughs> for English audiences, they call it the whaling. Whaling in uh, English is Terror Train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Terror Train is actually a horror movie in 1980 that I watched, uh, but uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, <laughs> I watched it right I'm before Korean. this episode. Yeah. yeah. Or Jamie um, uh, Lee is actually a common Korean name, so maybe you, you could possibly see. Maybe there's a <laughs> Korean Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. Do you have a preference on which one we start with and end with? I don't, I personally um, don't. Do you want to start with the whaling? All right. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's just get it out of the way. Um, okay. So the whaling is a 2016 film directed by Na Hong Jin. It's a strange, uh, the plot is a stranger arrives in a little village and soon after a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman is drawn into the incident and is forced to solve the mystery in order to save uh, his daughter. So basically, there's a giant, uh, scary illness spreading around this town, and uh, this uh, police detective ends up he's he's very much in over his head uh, with this um, outbreak and is trying to figure this out. And is meanwhile just witnessing a bunch of fucked up things, and it eventually is spreading towards his family, and this ends up being like an inner 
kind of family uh i don't know kind of tragedy and drama thing as he's like trying to um now like now have to deal with it in his own family um yeah yeah i I mean i think the under there's like an underlying theme throughout of this uh paranoid father wanting to protect his his children and his family and being very stressed and anxious yeah uh, for a lot of it um and yeah yeah these strange things keep happening strange things you see and throughout the movie it's just like as it unravels it doesn't really um clear things up uh in a very straightforward way like it's kind of teasing you no, with different things not. and and yeah. so it's hard for you to piece together what who is what what are they doing what is is someone controlling them to do this you know it's there's yeah there's so much like mystery around uh some of these characters uh, but i was also surprised about how like funny it was at times it was um, like subtly. a lot of the anxiety that the specifically the detective has about the yeah. outbreak is kind of very goofy and he's kind of like very lovably relatable in that um regard and when i, he I found that, with his wife all the time right. too yeah, yeah 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 the dialogue at times is very unique and not what you'd expect um i found that very enjoyable um and is makes it the all the more uh sad when uh it ends up being uh his daughter right that is yeah. uh um that has become uh like possessed infected or, infected or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and uh yeah. and uh, and you know he's like he knows how deadly it is because he's seen everything um on you know in the out in the streets of this and he knows what he has to do but he's clearly trying to go against that um and eventually it builds towards uh like a very much some reminiscent of the exorcism um as they bring someone over to try to uh spiritually get rid of this uh the infection that's within her um and that it gets very very intense yes that's like uh it's almost like 10 minutes long of just yeah yeah the ritual yeah it's it's very chaotic and loud and not really sure what's going on and the girl's just like in pain the whole time and it's cutting to the the japanese man who came to the village just cutting to him performing some ritual uh yeah it's very that's a very disturbing part oh but yeah it's uh yeah i mean it's showing like this family going to every length to like make sure she's okay and then it just like elevates how much they uh um just like the the paranoia that they live in when you know nothing seems to work and these things keep happening right right um and then things are conveniently missing and inexplicable. Yeah, I guess we're, I don't know how, how much to, to bounce around here, but for sure one of the scariest things I've seen in uh, recent memory is um, towards the end when the Japanese man sort of reveals uh, who he is in a way. I don't know, I don't know how much to, yeah. to give away or to jump yeah, to this yeah. part, but yeah, when he, he's taking pictures of the priest or whatever and he's slowly lowering his camera and you see him as this we've we've dabbled in spoilers already so skip ahead but then he he turns into this 
demon like devil creature and that is just terrifying like that that image of him has stuck in my head every day since i since i watched oh man this. oh yeah yeah to be honest it hasn't for me and i think that means that i uh wow. wasn't being attentive enough <laughs> and so i think i should like yeah revisit that so i because i feel like that means i didn't take away was that what i was supposed to take away um that that scene was the most intense one for me like the the scariest moment uh for sure for me was that sort of slow haunting reveal um which also it tells you something but it also isn't super clear um <laughs> like uh, yeah like the rest also of very it, yeah. fairly ambiguous yeah um right yeah but yeah i really liked uh the way like i thought it was yeah it was just absolutely unpredictable um and uh like gripping the same way like uh i yeah. just i wanted to figure out what was going on what was happening and who was what and what certain uh certain things mean and um and symbolism of all these random little details mm -hmm. from the movie too mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean overall there's just a lot going on in the way yeah. and for sure a lot more than i expected and yeah, and it almost like drew the line. Like sometimes with uh, Eastern cinema, I think, okay, this is either gonna be like a like like an actiony, very actiony thing, or I'm thinking this is gonna be very like met like a very common melodrama, and this kind of blurred the lines between those two. And so it was definitely like unlike a movie I've seen before, um, you know, from Eastern cinema and. Uh, definitely would have to like like i like i said i didn't even get that one scene so i would definitely have to like re-watch re again and like you know piece some of this together like i even tried to read some reviews um like before this because i was like gosh man the whaling i don't know how am i gonna talk about the whaling you know <laughs> you know yeah um and because it really did leave me like it did leave me thinking like I have to sit with this one, but then I read the reviews and I found myself a little more confused. So um, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think it was just like a little, like something that was a little more out of left field for me, but I did like, I did like it. And I found it to be definitely a very quality film that was like very scary and had you feeling a lot of different emotions at the same time. And definitely someone with a, a unique very unique vision um yeah 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 uh yeah like the whaling a lot thought it was uh something different and um yeah this was a good pick from uh producer jake yeah I, I think as we go on we'll like be able to encapsulate more of the genre as a yeah. whole but you know i think we're good to we're good to move on maybe go so Next. that came out in 2016 we can go with uh the other movie yeah that came out in 2016 train to busan which is directed by yon seng ho who um i guess the only other thing he'd be known for is doing the sequel to train to busan which came out maybe last year or two years ago yeah. um but yeah i remember this movie being recommended a lot same um, when it came same. out yeah yeah this was sort of a um one of those movies it's like oh what's the like what's the best movie that uh i ha maybe haven't seen and someone would recommend like this because it's 
Korean and uh, you know, not in the not everyone sees mainstream. It. Yeah. Yeah. And like even I remember even I think my family, like my parents and maybe my uncle and also watched this, mm-hmm. which you know, like shows that it did reach a lot of people, you know, because not not saying that my family like doesn't like watch like variety necessarily, but I do think there are a lot of movie nights where I see my family watching another like they're like, oh yeah, we're watching the new uh Sly Stallone flick. It's like how often can you keep watching this, these guys' movies? You know what I mean? And that yeah. is like one of the most American actors you can watch, you know? So I, I don't think like, I think for them to watch a foreign flick is a big deal and it doesn't happen very often. So like, mm-hmm. uh, like definitely like when I heard there, they were watching Train to Busan, I was like, dang, dude, I haven't even watched Train to Busan. <laughs> and like, um, I, you know, I definitely like, definitely heard a lot about this and i i just assumed it must be a uh this must be just a very crazy balls to the wall zombie movie um and it is and it is on a train and i happen to love movies uh on it that are on a train um i don't know if you know this (laughs) first thing i tell people john um but uh like i love uh Tony Scott's Unstoppable. I love Snowpiercer. I think movies on a train are great. I think the Polar Express is not good, but that's for a different episode. Um, doesn't deserve the train movie. Nah, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't deserve (laughs) it. Yeah, (laughs) they ruined a good thing. Yeah, they could (laughs) have could have gone all in with it. But um, yeah, I think this like. Yeah, it's, it's zombies on a train. We haven't seen that yet. Um, and it's it's very well done. Um, there's a lot of great uh, action sequences with it. Um, a lot of great chase scenes. A lot of... Uh, and, and, and it is balls to the wall. Like, like we said with um, Life After Beth, each zombie film, I think, has its own like idea of how they want zombies to be specifically for their circumstances of the plot and i think this one was like all right we're gonna have zombies that are running in groups and all kind of like are all like they there's a lot of like speaking of the last film there's a lot of like wailing you know where they're like they're like getting in people's face and they're like ah and the person's (laughs) like oh (laughs) you know and it's and it's good you know and 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 i love how like i don't know anxiety provoked it is that it it is on a train so they're all stuck there and they're getting off at stops and they're trying to see if there's zombies there and then the the you know the conductor's trying to decide what to do and they're like getting back on the train and stuff like that they're like waiting for more people to get back on like it's it's mayhem and it's good it's really good fun yeah uh, I mean, it's just such a, a great hook, too, is to be trapped on, you know, a moving train with zombies like that. That alone is uh, interesting enough to, to you know, see this. But, uh, yeah, and it, and it just has um, a great, like, cast of characters, too. Like, uh, I like the ensemble. There's, like, you know, the bigger, uh, the bigger sort of tough guy who's kind of, uh, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he turns, he seems like he's kind of annoying at first and then he turns into a likable guy. And, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he fights zombies with his hands. Yeah. Like they're fighting zombies and with their hands in this one. You they're never like, see that. Yeah. They're like shoving zombies like yeah. with their hands, you know, like it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then there's like the sort of uh villains too. Um like like there's a there's a little bit of not, not light not lightheartedness, but a little lighter, uh just in terms of like there's uh real like characters. Um yeah, for sure that, that seem a little quirky to an extent but uh yeah yeah also really yeah really uh really good zombies scary but also like realistic in a way too not not just like super over mm-hmm. the top um yeah yeah it's, it's just a really solid movie yeah and yeah. uh and also a very again very tragic ending uh yes 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 um it's it's like tragic but uh uh sweet um yeah like you see the like there's the daughter uh is kind of like walking through this tunnel and she's singing aloha oi i think the song is called which i'll be honest it actually like made me check myself like when i was watching (laughs) i was like wait a second that's not korean are we in hawaii (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's also why i you know this movie is so good is because there is some there is a narrative to like hold on to yeah. besides just survival right. too you know this... it was like it was like very sweet at the end yeah and, you know it's not just like all like action and like all like you know set pieces necessarily yeah like you said there are characters and the biggest one is like a father uh father-daughter uh relationship and uh you know yeah and it's it's and it's good and i it definitely like gets very uh dramatic towards the end and they like i i think this is like a very like i said like how you know I, like this reached a lot a lot of people saw this i think that just this movie was very accessible for everybody and not mm-hmm. that just it was fun but it like in the end it when it was like being dramatic it was just very easy well done relatable you know stuff when it was like being sad you know yeah definitely all right well um yeah that's train to busan which brings us to terror train no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) now we're doing terror train yeah (laughs) can you imagine if we actually like released our like poster <laughs> korean cinema authentic <laughs> korean cinema yeah. and the third one terror train with jamie lee curtis yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's um, uh but, maybe that would uh, entice people to check it out i wonder right, exactly. how, we, how we got to that wow jamie lee curtis was in a korean cinema <laughs> movie <laughs> um but yeah anyways our our final film of for our korean cinema is uh park chan woke woke's thirst i have been uh told all right we were talking about gaps earlier right with ari aster yeah big cinema gap was ari aster for me and another big cinema gap for me is park chan woke because this is the first park chan woke i've seen um haven't seen old boy or uh any of the others that everyone highly recommends uh handmaiden handmaiden yeah great one um yeah i love 
Park Chan Wook. I guess this is the fourth one I've seen, including Old Boy. Okay, so yeah, this Stoker. Okay. Um, Yeah. But then he also has like the like sympathy for Mister Vengeance and uh, uh, Lady Vengeance, and I haven't seen those, but those I feel like are two of his more popular ones uh, as well. So yeah, you're just you're way ahead of me then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I I really love old boy and the handmaiden i think i've talked about the handmaiden a couple of different times uh the podcast yeah i think but... so yeah i think so yeah just and i said after... i would get to it and i never did of course <laughs> well now now that you've seen this uh maybe you'll, right. you'll see that because i think there i i really like thirst but the handmaiden and old boy are like on a completely different level gotcha of, of cinema like i after watching those movies i'm like i want to watch another movie just like this like immediately after gotcha yeah um, gotcha yeah i have like um that. friends who like love park Chan wook and they told me like they like like for him like uh, for them at least he's like they like him more than like bond bong jun ho and stuff like that and uh, i was like i was like whoa when i heard that i was like okay cool <laughs> I'll, <Yeah. laughs> I'll check him out never did <laughs> I, I just tell people i'll watch things to yeah you know, get them so off my get them yeah. off my back yeah. i'd rather watch more steinfeld reruns yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh i mean park chan walk and uh he i feel like has his own style you can kind of tell when it's one of his movies uh, yeah. i don't know they, they have a they have a certain feel to them and yeah and, and, and they're they're a little darker too this one i felt like was a little more uh uh goofy than his other right. uh, his other movies but uh that's part of the reason i, I liked it a lot too i it's of course starring song Kang ho who is the dad of parasite yeah who now i feel like is a pretty recognizable person to the american audience right because of that yeah and because yeah. he just has that he has that face you know he does yeah <laughs> such a likable face um <laughs> but yeah he is this uh this priest who volunteers for this procedure that's like like includes a blood transfusion of some kind uh and it uh goes wrong and he dies and he comes back to yep. life as a vampire and it's they 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 revive him through um i forget what it is but they basically the, the way they revive him makes him a vampire yeah he's they have vibe. the the thing over his head and then he just starts talking um yeah and they take the thing off and he's like oh he's alive yeah um yeah and um <laughs> i i like the vampire genre um I like it especially when it's done um, when someone has like a new different vision for it and their own. Yeah. And uh, this is one of those. Um, uh, it's not what you would expect. And it's, it's definitely, I would say an acquired taste, but it becomes something like an actual, like very unique, like love story, which I thought was really good. Uh, and and there's a lot of and uh, there's also just like a lot of humor that is that is in this played throughout too yeah uh yeah because 
I mean, you see a lot of his, um, just him just dealing with uh, the realities of becoming a vampire. And he's, uh, you know, he still has his morals. He's not wanting to kill, kill people and, um, you know, drain their blood. Um, But he realizes this is like the reality of his life now. So he works out, like, I thought that was unique too, is uh, him and, you know, once he uh, starts seeing um, his friend's wife or whatever, uh, they start thinking right. of creative ways for him to get blood, you right, know, just like right. stealing from uh, a blood bank or something. And, and yeah, so I thought that was like an interesting thing to do and also kind of funny. And, uh, and, and the woman too, she was just, um, I should say her name, Kim Ogvin, maybe that's her. Um, but she, uh, she gets sort of, you know, crazy towards the end too and it just starts to unravel and um and 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 gets out of control and things go wrong and um i think the ending i don't know i I really enjoyed the ending too because it was sort of Mm -hmm. sun king ho doing what was like the right thing to do um right while also doing something he doesn't he hasn't wanted to do from the beginning um right right not giving away too much but uh, yeah, I like I like Thirst a lot. Yeah, yeah, I love the scene where um, they kill her husband. Um, yes, yeah. Specifically, I thought that was just like really well done. It's probably the scene that sticks out to me the most, and it's kind of like I don't know. It's just like a good portrait of their whole camaraderie and everything. Is kind of where really they really start to get closer, you know. And aside from the weird, just the weird sex stuff that they're doing for most of the movie yeah yeah i'm most a majority of this movie is watching this couple kind of like have sex <laughs> and like bite each other as they're yeah. doing it that's so why i like, like it so much yeah. so, so, if you, so which is why it's my favorite new favorite movie <laughs> <laughs> so if you're into that stuff if you're into kinky if you're into kinky watch this and frank and hooker vampires are all have always been very like sexy and uh sexual you know it's always been about that it's like yeah even in nosferatu he's like i'm luring her back and she will like she will definitely like me but hopefully she doesn't find out about me oh i'm so ugly it's like (laughs) my life is so sad you know (laughs) yeah it's all just you know vampires are kind of horny and lonely so right uh yeah yeah but they you know there's always like a sexual Who couldn't relate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why you just connect with it so much you know um <laughs> but even like that we talked about the hunger uh, maybe a year or two ago yeah yeah um, uh catherine bigelow i believe right uh no that's near dark um damn it the hunger is tony scott right with david right. bowie and susan sarandon right. Another very like oh, sexy the very different vampire movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, the movie's really good. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's all. Yeah, they're all like dramatic and, and right, uh, right. Yeah, just like uh, having sex all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you ever watch uh, Only Lovers Left Alive? I forgot. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's my personal favorite uh, vampire movie. Um, because I'm just very biased towards the 
the vibe of a Jarmouche movie and that's what that is. And um, so that's mine simply because of that. But like I that's like his take on the vampire movie. I think it's really done. It plays like a lot on like the existentialism of the world that we feel is like people, um, you know, and then like it's just very much shows these vampires as like outsiders but they're also very obsessed with art and like yeah. music and stuff like that and yeah is it that's a good one too yeah another very unique take on vampires uh in a yeah just like a completely new sort of story that um similar to uh dracula ad 1972 um also another take on vampires but uh yeah yeah thirst um oh well all of these had um some comedic elements to it which yeah i i was surprised by in all of them really when i just when you just look at thirst like it looks like it's uh just a really oh yeah fucked up i was like i'm about to watch the darkest movie like yeah all the imagery is so dark and then there's like those scenes where they're, um, which I really liked where he's like carrying her and he's just like flying around a little bit. And yeah, like, it's yeah, like, yeah. The, it's like a steady cam sort of like on them while like going right, up in right. the air. I, I did like all the, um, the super strength stuff. I thought that was yeah, all yeah, like a lot of yeah. fun. Definitely. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of fun moments uh, in Thirst too, uh, just playing on like the, the vampire powers and just like, the benefits of being a vampire too the, the fun parts of it yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly um but yeah for me like i'm happy to have started my park chen woke journey um and also in maybe more of an unconventional way because i didn't watch old boy first but i will as i like to always say yeah. i will watch it <laughs> i'll say uh it's it's pretty fucked up more so than the orphan but yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to whenever the day is that you uh, watch Old Boy and the Handmaid. Um, no pressure. Whenever that is. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I hope I. I hope I get to hear you watch that. I, I hope. I hope you. I get to talk to you about watching it someday. I want that for you. Um. But yeah, that's our Korean horror episode. Um. I mean, like, I think, I think horror in like her, not just Korean cinema, but like all Eastern cinema is like a really beloved thing. And so I think it was a good suggestion to do this as an episode. I mean, like they know how to do their movies out there. We've, we've known this. And so like, and and they do just seem like the type of people that like, um i think one cut of the dead there's a chance it's korean horror too yeah i think it is um i think it is yeah and like there might be another i've seen that i can't at the top of the my head mention now but there are people that do revere just horror you know out there um yeah just culturally and so just to add like that part of the world into a horror like it, it is just fitting to like and almost demands attention like to talk about horror from that part of the world because i think it is such a huge part of their culture and i think you could say arguably especially modern like they're doing as good as anybody uh so 
yeah this was a good this was a good uh just like good exploration for us yeah i think there's a lot of darkness in uh korean cinema um at least you know um the the stuff that we get over here uh you know bong joon ho park jen walk they all have very dark filmographies right um yeah and and yeah the whaling train to busan uh also um, like that and, I, and i'm not sure culturally you know why that is if um you know if there's more to the whole the whaling of the japanese man coming to um you know their, their small village and things oh, sort of went crazy yeah. like is there more um just like cultural history background to that too like does that represent something uh you know just that because it's uh south korea is a country that's been through a lot uh, especially in the past like 100 years so for sure for sure uh, yeah so yeah yeah it's just interesting i feel like that they probably that's probably somewhat of an influence on the themes of uh, these korean horror movies i did think like to just to go off that point real quick is that in train to busan there is that like opening scene where like the farmer is like what are you doing like blah 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 like yeah. and he's expecting to be like controlled like the way he usually is but it's just this time it's not um it's not that like it's not that like that he's actually being protected by a zombie outbreak but i think it is playing along that like what we've made perceive about south korea you know and that whole area yeah definitely well, that's uh, 